This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. Because it's it's weird. Uh, I keep thinking about it. It's, it's, it's very, like, I guess, I'm not sure if the word I want to use is ironic. It's because, like, to reach the next level of confidence, you have to win the PTQ, and to win the PTQ, you have to reach this next level of confidence. So it's like a weird thing, like right? which comes so, first. Yeah, yeah, which comes first. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mines they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. And of course, they rag on me for not talking enough. <laughs> Nice. Listen to me now, bitch. That's <laughs> Jay Boosh. You know what? This is how it works. I'm not old as fuck, and I don't play it easy. And those are the two things that apparently matter when you want to play mind flavor. Scotty. And and I cashed that GP. Like, that's legit. Like, for me, being just the fucking dad grinder, that's a huge deal. And Jeremy. Sometimes you just have to be that guy. We're like, oh, you want to play some modern? It's like, yeah, I want to play some modern, and... Like also spend a lotus bloom, and they're just like, oh, why did I want to play modern with you? And now, the A team. Hey, everybody! Welcome to episode two seventeen of the A team podcast. This is KYT. The champ is in the house, and I'm also with two of my best friends. Mr. Scotty Mac went on a crazy twenty five hour stream yesterday. How's it going, Dad? Technically, it ended this morning. I'm doing great. I am still alive. Thought you were gonna be dead. So I, I wasn't I'm sure I, was, I wasn't sure I was going to make it tonight. I wasn't sure. I was like <laughs> consulting chicken bones, you know, and I was like, you know, calling on voodoo priestesses and some shit to try to like make sure I could stick it stick it out and I don't know. It's all coming up next, so we're good. I like chicken. We're also joined by Jeremy Scumbag Schofield. How's it going, scumbag? You know what? It goes great. <laughs> it goes absolutely fantastic. I'm a little tired, but I got to watch stream. I got to pack because I'm on that kind of home stretch for the new house. So, yeah. Exciting, yeah. exciting stuff. I'm excited. Well, we all have stuff to be excited about. But yeah, I, don't, really? I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how many more of us have anything to be excited about other than KYT one another pro one another. What people. the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so there was so a had very a- very very tiny little window where I could kind of pump my chest out and say I had the best results on this podcast. You know where I I felt like I might have been the man for like a fraction of a second. I might have even been sold that way. When I first came I on think, the show, I think, you were, I think you were the man. I mean, second in a Grand Prix—that's pretty—that's pretty, that's pretty ballin'. Second, like he owned that second. I know, but now KYT is like certifiable pimp. <laughs> yes, There's no yeah. question. So, like, so KYT, I'm, I'm one of his hoes. Like, am I his bottom bitch? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know the, po- the the pimp game. Um, I'm sure that somebody does know the pimp game. Um, I don't even know if we want the pimp game. <laughs> KYT was on the show last week, you know, lamenting his lack of his his. his he wanted more of himself at the pro tour. He's like, yeah, I just want another shot. I need to get back on the need to get back on the train so that I can get back to testing it and blah blah blah. blah. And I got this PTQ. I'm I'm gonna go and do well, and I'm just gonna go and crush it. And he just goes and fucking smashes it. It was like, I understand that you two owed every single one of your opponents in the top eight. Yeah, I did. It was like you fucking went all rocky on them and just was like, you know, didn't. Dun, dun, dun. You know, and you're like running up stairs and boxing sides of beef, and you were just like, "My opponents are going down." It was awesome. <laughs> just awesome. Um, I did talk about like uh, my favorite term that I like just sort of came up with uh, last episode, like my competitive anger, and uh, how you know some people might say like it's maybe oversensitive of me, but it's, it's like how athletes take what, like take losses and use it to motivate them or take what the press or what other people say, like the other people might not truly mean it, but you sort of twist it in a way to just use it as motivation. Like, Oh, did um, someone trash talk you and you got back up in their face? No, no, not at all. But you know, like that story was way better before. But just like people who thought that, you know, I wasn't um, as good. I was never in, in the conversation of some of the better players that I knew or just like, you know, I just kept telling myself just like whether it's true or not, I didn't use it to maybe even self-create a chip on my shoulder. But, you know, it was there and it definitely fueled me. And, and uh, that's why I kept saying hashtag vengeance, because I was pretty uh fired up to do really well in this PTQ uh after after my pro tour experience and uh it was it was funny because um I had been the champion of Abzan Agro um pre Fate Reforge having won a pre TQ in Belleville smashed one of those and, and uh felt like I tuned the list to the best of my ability and uh, but a lot of things changed uh with Fate Reforge even though it's just a set uh red white was the premier at least the, the most popular deck online right now, according to MTG Goldfish, a mm. site I use a lot to check out the metagame, and it gained a lot of new cards. And there's a lot of different builds, and people still don't know like if Grandmaster is good or bad. I've had good and bad experiences with it. Um, I've seen it be extremely strong. I've you know been able to do Stoke the Flames with buyback with it, and it felt like insane. It's insane the mirror. Uh, the deck also gained Outpost Siege, which is just a Chandra that's harder to kill. And Abzan Aggro, in my experience, one of the toughest cards for it to beat was Stormbreath Dragon. Because if you tax your hero's downfall, you can't Abzan Charm the Dragon. You can't, there's no other, the Windmate Rocks don't help you. So um, I felt like Red White was one of my tougher matchups like going into Fate, and now it's become the most popular deck. So, so it's changed a lot. You know, I had to go through like Blue Blacking, a lot of tools. Um, like Kroska Fate is a huge game changer that, that changes the way that you approach uh, that matchup. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of significant changes. So I started with Red White, was crushing it online, and then I ran into Jarvis Yu, mm. who... On, in an eight man queue in the finals, and he crushed me. 
And what I found with the problem with the red-white deck is like, although you have the advantage game one against the Abzan decks, once you go to games two and three, when they can side into their max Bioblitz and Drowned Sorrows, you have like infinite X2s that you can't sideboard all of them out. You have Rabble Masters, you have Seeker, you have uh, Fire Grand, uh, Grandmaster if you play them. Um, that's why some lists like have to play like two copies of Brimaz just to so your entire deck doesn't just get wrapped by yeah. Drowned Sorrow. Yep. But still, you still have infinite X's. Like people are playing Mentor and their tokens; those also get wrapped by Drown. So I just gave the Abzan deck a try. Uh, Jarvis, probably exaggerating, said he was having eighty to eighty-five percent win rate with the deck, but he only started at the beginning of the week. So I picked it up. It's uh, the Abzan. No carried build, um, apparently uh, designed by Steve Rubin, at least the original version. And then Dan uh, Muser, or Muster, sorry if I butcher your name, uh, top eight in SCG, then wins a PTQ with that exact type of strategy the week after. So, and Dan Jessup also finished second in a recent SCG or regionals. So, wow, this deck had a lot of uh, performances behind it. I picked it up. Played against my Pro Tour testing uh, teammate, Jay Lanzal, who looked at the list and said that his red-white deck would shred it. And I'm like, okay, like not even really knowing, let's see what happens. I proceed to 6-0 him. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this has to be it. I mean, this has to be the deck I need to play. I felt really good. Just uh, The philosophy is just to play good cards and no mana accelerator so you don't top deck them. And it felt really good the entire tournament. I lost to. My only loss was to Tankus, uh, Nathan Tankus, uh, someone who listens to the, every episode of our show, playing a, a very a green-black brew, like aggro brew. Uh, just all the Death Dealers, all the first uh, Wardens, and I think um, all the uh, Herald of Torment, I think. Um, uh, yeah. Just very aggressive. The Bestow and, Guy? Yeah, the Bestow Guy. Yeah. Uh, like, no Siege Rhinos, but, like, you know, Rakshasa was a problem for me because, like, it survives end hostilities, and, like, if you're, if you're putting on a clock and you have mana to leave him up, then it was really hard to beat him. I lost game three because after... I, I shaped my game plan. I shaped my game plan to, like, play Ugin in a spot uh, where he had already used three of his heroes' downfall, okay. but he had the fourth one, oh, so obviously. I lost. Like, like, like he told me... It, it, that he probably projected he had the fourth one because he went, he wasted, well, not wasted, he used two downfalls in one turn on two of my coursers. So it's like, ah, this is kind of suspicious. Like, he should be holding it up for my Elspeth and other stuff. So he probably has the fourth one, but uh, I had to play play like that. So other than that, every matchup felt very smooth. Um, I, I had to face uh, Ben Moore in round six, arguably the best player in Ottawa playing blue-black control, and I think the problem with people playing blue-black is that they don't know what to counter or what to kill. Like, I've played other blue-black players who will kill or counter a Courser of Krufix on the spot. Against the better players that I've played against, they will just let it linger a bit if it doesn't bother them and save their counters and um, removal for something else. So there's there's a big difference uh, in your testing. If you're testing blue-black in your testing gauntlet, you know, you got to be very wary of like how good your blue black player is, and I played against him. He was able to get Silumgar out against me, the three seven, which is pretty insane, I would say. Uh, 
you know, Elspeth can't deal with it. Uh, your removal can't deal with it. And it was one of the few spots where a Johnny Mentor of Heroes was the, the, like the one copy that I had was the exact card to crush Salimgar because I had a Siege Rhino and I just went, he taps out for that dragon. I'm just like, put three counters on my Siege Rhino, make it a 7-8, and it's like, what like, the fuck just happened? Yeah. Hero Rhinos. And I, it was weird because a Johnny is just not that impressive overall. But in that specific scenario, it was the best card I could have. Um, Sweet. So I beat him in a, in a really tight game three. Sadly, um, as tiebreaker Mav goes, I had to play the last round. But deep inside, I was happy to play the last round because of how slow Abzan mid-range is. Um, because it cuts all the caridids, you actually want to be on the play the whole time. And I think um, the only reason I was able to 2-0 the top eight was a product of winning that last round, putting me into the first seed. Um, I, I played a mirror, but I had the edge because he was still playing the carotid version. Okay, yeah. And he, he drew three in, in one of the games, and I'm like, okay, this is over. This is like me drawing three extra cards during this game, so I was able to win that. Then in the top eight, I faced a deck that I didn't, I didn't account for. I didn't account for people actually adopting this idea. I saw this idea adopted by Mike Flores uh, in his Abzan Bills, which is putting uh, Seder Wayfinders to be able to trigger um, Raid with Windmake Rock, but also to be able to play Tassiger as early as possible. Now, I had seen Mike post in his articles, but I have never actually played against it, and I believe that was the build I was playing in top 8 and in top 4. And I was uh, a little surprised by it because Windmate Rock is really good against my against Elspeth decks. So it, it took a bit of effort, but as long as I'm able to stabilize, and Whisperwood Elemental proved to be a problem too, but as long as I'm able to stabilize, <laughs> it is, and have Ugin to just wipe everything, and they don't have the Hero's Downfall in their hand, or um, basically a lot of the times I'm playing Elspeth just to bait the Hero's Downfall in their hand so I can slam Ugin and win the game. So that happened a lot. So I was able to win that just, just because my Abzan deck had a better long game than these two, two other decks. And in the finals, I had to face Green-Black Constellation against uh, my friend Dave Schneer, who I had lost to in a pre-TQ at face-to-face games in the finals. I lost yeah, him in the finals. Completing the vengeance tour. <laughs> <laughs> completing the vengeance story. I was on Abzan aggro. Uh, he just, like, Tore my heart out with Garrick, uh, Apex Predator. And uh, I think, I'm not even sure if he knew what type of Abzan I was bringing this PTQ. I think he assumed I was bringing it back. But I was on a diff- completely different plan. And uh, I really wasn't sure how to sideboard. I had consulted Dan Lantier and other people around me how they would sideboard the matchup because of how um, Abzan midrange was constructed. You really only had two. Outer ends, one main, one cyborg to take care of Whip, and like Whip is the ultimate trump uh, in this type of matchup. So it, I wasn't really sure what to make of it, but beyond the play was huge. So game one, even though he was able to assemble Hornet Queen, um, I think double Eidolon of Blossoms and Whip, which is uh, I think almost impossible for my deck to beat. I I opted. There was a lot of attacks I could have made. I opted not to attack and just ma- keep making Elspeth tokens um, and hoping, like I let him, in one turn, I let him draw a lot of cards 
and I had to basically fade Doomwake Giant or or any answer for my soldiers. So my only plan was to Bioblade the Hornet Queen tokens, um, Hero's Downfall, the Hornet Queen on the turn that it could attack Elspeth, and then ultimate Elspeth and kill him that way. Um, so it was kind of scary because the previous two turns, I have, I have a chance to attack with my Rhino or my Corsair or like my six to nine soldier tokens, but I didn't want to kill his Hornet Queen um, because I only have one Bioblight. So I couldn't kill his Hornet Queen. I didn't want it to whip it back and be able to attack my Elspeth down from seven loyalty. So my game plan was shaped uh, totally for that plan. It was kind of scary because the ultimate turn he had Nykthos online, and, and like, like I said, two Eidolons, so he was digging like crazy, and he had a lot of mana, and then at the end, he's just like, he didn't draw anything. So, a huge sigh of relief. Usually, like, soldier tokens are not enough to beat a Hornet Queen and a Whip. Um, but Ultimate is. <laughs> Game two, I had a decision to make um, whether to tap out for a, uh, for a Rhino on turn four, or to play a tap land and to play Thoughtseize instead. Uh, I opted for the Thoughtseize plan because he had a bunch of Caridids. To, he had seven mana on the table already okay. in, in turn four. Like two Caridids. Um, and, and my theory has always been like Th- Thoughtseize discard spells are really strong against a, a deck that has a lot of these mana dorks, right? Because you only really have to get like a small percentage of the threat out. So I was able to thought season, and all I saw were like mana guys, like Eidolon Blossom and an Ugin. So had I tapped out for Rhino, I was dead. But the timely thought season was able to get the thought season, uh, the Ugin out of his hand, and he also had a Corsair in play. So after thought, it felt like mono black devotion when I talked about how playing against Corsair wasn't that big of a deal because once you thought season them and they have Corsair in play. You have, like, perfect information of everything your opponent has. So he just kept drawing Caridids and Seder Wayfinders, and I'm like, okay, good. I can, I can use this time to set up my board, and I was able to set up an Ugin from my hand. Once again, make him use a downfall on my Elspeth and win the PTQ. And uh, when I won, it wasn't as... Uh, I didn't jump in joy, like, the first time. It was more of, like... It was weird. It's like, holy shit, I actually did this again. Uh, type of weird moment. Like, I didn't instantly hug my friend Barry, who was there. It was just, like, a weird moment. And also bittersweet, because Dave has lost, I think, his third finals, in, um, and he hasn't been to the Pro Tour. So, like, part of me was feeling pretty bad for him, but, you know, of course, a lot of me was also feeling really happy for myself. Uh, but it, it was definitely a bittersweet uh, victory. Um, I was proud to, to be able to make that run and, and face a bunch of sickos um, from Ottawa. But uh, so it was quite the adventure. And uh, to be back to back PTQ champion is something that I never envisioned having, you know, spent four years trying to win one and finally getting there. So it was pretty crazy. And I recommend this Abzan mid range deck to, to anyone who wants to win. So, so far, Two, two people asked me for my list, and both of them won game day yesterday. And yeah, this list is pretty crazy, I think. So that was my little adventure, guys. That's ridiculous. 
<laughs> um, so did you like, I, I know like the first time, like when I, when I had my, my wild ride, um, I, I felt like I didn't deserve it at the end. And like, I was super stoked. And then I had like this tough part where I felt like I deserved to win more things because of it. Like, did this one here kind of get to your head a little bit? Like, did you walk into the room with a lot more confidence or? Right. I think it's the pro tour experience really Yeah. that I went to the pro tour. I survived it playing against Sam Black playing against Tom Ross, against Paul Chion, against Jamie Park, uh, without a single bit uh, of feeling intimidated by them, which is something I had been before. Like, I played Jerry, like, my first SCG. I played against, I went on an EXO run. Then my next two losses were to both Jerry Thompson and AJ Soccer. So I, had, I always had that fear, and I lost to Kibler in Montreal. Um, I'm ONX. I think I was ONX against known celebrities. For the longest time, but this time, even though I still lost to Sam Black and Tom Ross, I, I was able to beat Chion. You know, I still had a losing record against pros. I didn't feel intimidated, and, and like having that experience and walking into a pro tour and uh, pro PTQ and knowing that I had won one before, I think was very good for my psyche. I was just super confident. Um, I don't know if it, I let it get to my head. But I was definitely uh, feeling a lot different. Um, like, because it's, it's weird. Uh, I keep thinking about it. It's, it's, it's very, like, I guess, I'm not sure if the word I want to use is ironic. It's because, like, to reach the next level of confidence, you have to win the PTQ. And to win the PTQ, you have to reach this next level of confidence. So it's like a weird thing. Like, right? which comes so, first. Yeah, yeah, which comes first. So... Um, yeah, like Jerry, I, I definitely walked in there differently. I walked in there feeling like one of the best players in the room. Whereas before I was like, ah, eh, maybe I'm in the top five, top 10. Like maybe I'm a sort of threat to win this, but this time it's like, I'm a serious threat to win this. And I played test. I didn't play test like abs and mid range, like crazy, but I had play tested the previous format, like crazy to win my pre TQ. So I, I just felt like maybe I, I probably studied uh, the format more than most. So there was just a lot of confidence. I can't lie about that. That's awesome. Like that, that that's good though. Like having that, having that confidence, having a little bit of swagger, recognizing that, you know, you're, you're now one of the sharks in the room. Like that's good. That, that comes with the territory. Yeah. And, and a lot of those losses in the past came because I'm like, holy shit, this is Brian Kibler I'm against, right? Yeah. And now it's like, you know, I'm good. I can, I can win this game. And so it's a totally different mentality. It's very helpful. And I think that, you know, I'm a, I've always felt like I'm winning it for the sort of people or our listeners when I do win because I'm just, well, I was when I was working, just a regular guy with a regular job that, you know, put some time into it and just, you know, I wanted to show other people that with some effort, you know, anyone can, can win a PTQ, anyone can, can get to the Pro Tour. And a, a large, like, a part of me is always thinking about that. Like, I want to carry that message that, like, don't be intimidated like I was when I started out. Like, it's not, like, even kids starting out when they're 17 or, or uh, like, Xavier, he probably shat his pants when he faced Huey Jensen at GP Ottawa for that winning in for the top eight. And uh, a lot of people, even AJ messaged me that Xavier played absolutely horrible against Huey, but still won. And even Xavier admitted that he had 
the craziest nerves. Like he was just super nervous playing against what some consider the best player playing today, right? So yeah. you know, it, it does affect you. That's yeah. Well, like that that's absolutely the case. And that's that becomes a new tool in your arsenal because the people you play against may start to feel that way against you. Yeah, and, and, I've, and I've had that happen before I've achieved anything, and I think it's more they've heard my name around and it's like assume I'm good, but you know, I'm, I was just like the A-team guy, right, or whatever, the guy who started Madden Prime, but, uh, but now like it's more like, oh, God, this guy has gone to you know, qualify two PTQs. He's, he's probably pretty good. So, KYT, you are, you are the great Canadian community hope. <laughs> Thank you. So it's true. Yeah, it's true. We're we're all very very glad to see you to see you succeed, man. Like, um, it's it's so funny because you remember those moments where you are, you know, when you, when you when those those meaningful moments occur in the community. Like, I remember where I was when Hayne won the Pro Tour. You know. Yeah. And 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 like I remember where I will remember where I was when you won your first like PTQ. You know, it's it's insane. It's it's just it's crazy, and I and I remember where I was when you won this one. Like it's just it's 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 meaningful, and it and it impacts all of us that are around you. You you don't win these things just for yourself, and I think that the fact that you recognize that and and you you carry that, you know, you carry that banner. I think it it it's really amazing, and I think it's one of the things that leads everyone to gravitate towards you and and sharing your successes. So I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, and uh, obviously super loyal fan, Sean Picone, who gets a, a lot of trouble. Uh, obviously always still listens to our show constantly, listened to the last episode and commented. Um, I was surprised that, you know, other people then reach out to me uh, to be on their team and that he was, he, like, he was he was a bit disappointed uh, as... Like he he's not afraid to offend other pros. I remember when when Chapin uh, unfollowed me because I was uh, retweeting too much of the Lansdowne versus Smitty battle, and just Sean Pacone is just like coming out to my defense. Like, how could you unfollow KYT? So Sean's just that uh, type of guy to do that. And uh, yeah, I I I, w- I work basically on my own for to to make that infect deck and. Uh, you know, a lot of, of me is constantly thinking about that for, for a lot of people who just make their first PTQ and isn't on a super team that you can still uh, achieve success or come to the same conclusions as the Pantheon in terms of, in fact, being the deck to play. So, yeah, I, I do think about that. And I will have, I don't think I'll be on a super team in my next PT uh, either way. So I, I'm still going to be fighting on my own. And uh, a lot of it is. A lot of my motivation is to show that, you know, that I can do it um, with the tools that I have, with the friends that I have, with the local group that I have, that I, I, I have the tools to be able to help myself get there and achieve uh, even pro tour success. So that's that's next up on the docket and uh, pretty confident that that I will get there someday, just like just like I was confident that I would make the PT someday. Nice, dude. Nice. So, uh, so this this PTQ was for uh, Dragons of Tarkir. Correct, correct. In Brussels, is that is that what? In I Brussels, think? right. It's like five weeks from now. Six, um, six or seven, no, what is it like? Six or seven weeks from now, something like that. I I would say it's like two, 
roughly two months. It's like in mid uh, mid April. So on standard. So it's not like uh, you know got got a lot of practice in in for the format. So so how um, do you expect to do a lot of preparation for that uh, in terms of limited? Because that's something that obviously you know you identified as an opportunity to to really kind of cement. So that's something that I'm sure that that is on your you know the top of your mind and and um, I'm sure you'll be you'll be tapping your resources to to accomplish that. Right, right. I think I think I just didn't have was either too lazy or again too perfectionist on making sure that my constructed deck was strong, seeing as how it was going to be ten of the, out of the sixteen rounds, and um, maybe I was a bit overconfident in my limited skills because I had qualified for it with my M15 and I had reached like an unparalleled success in terms of relative to to my entire career. I, I just was crushing it in M15, obviously just a core set. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'm hearing a lot of things that other teams did, which was which sounded really useful. Um, I think a lo- other teams have mentioned this too, but like Hayne told me about, you know, how Channel Fireball basically um, got together as a group and would like rate each rare and, and say uh, if they would pick it over a certain uncommon or whatever and like the whole group would say like people would raise their hands if if they disagreed or something they had some sort of conference on just that that part of drafting alone which which sounds really helpful like if if i've never played a rare before but like a teammate has and knows that it's better than every uncommon in the set i mean that's very useful information um seeing as i i obviously didn't get to play with every single uh, rare from from Reforge. I made a ton. I constantly make mistakes with Yasova because I keep forgetting the whole condition that it has to be below. Um, sometimes I just forget that it has to be below the power, below the power of four. And I just um, zone out. Like I'm calculating lines and I just forget that. I'm like, I could just threaten that, do this. And I'm like, holy shit, I can't threaten that. So th- there was lack of experience there as well. So looking back, there's there's definitely a lot of work to to be done to to improve at limited. Whether it be like to do that analysis of all the rares, or just to be able to play more games with those rares, so I don't just like like I know what every other card does, like collateral damage or enhance awareness or um, sandstep outcast. Like I've played those against those and used those a hundred times, but like Yasova and all these other rares, I just didn't. Um, have enough games under my belt to be able to think of lines on the spot and quickly. Because um, against Tom Ross, that's how I lost. Because I, I just completely blanked on Yosova because I'm like, just calculating. I'm like, okay, I can steal his 6-6 six, six for one turn, attack him here, and I will win the game this way. And then I go, I go to combat, I'm like, fuck, I can't actually do that. So that was uh, very boneheaded of me. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I had a, a few drafts uh, yesterday, this morning, that were very much in the same vein. <laughs> <laughs> so I can uh, I, I can completely appreciate that. I had uh, we had a total of I guess I did three KT like three K forged cons drafts, mm-hmm. um, and then two times I ended up in Salte, one time I ended up in Teamer, and uh, and I actually think. 
only only one of the two of them I went to two one the other one I lost round one but uh but yeah like it's it's really really crazy how much fate reports has changed the format like it is a huge impact on the limited scale yeah I think so absolutely uh the the decks that existed before are almost completely gone yeah it's it's weird like all of the rares are almost just like game winning bombs under themselves. And then there are this there's this classification of uncommon, which even they are just these unbeatable bombs, you know? And in some cases better than half the rares. Like it's it's ridiculous how much changes happen. But I and, feel like there's uh, like no mid game cards at all. Like there's no yeah. like mid power level cards. Like it's either bombs or just absolute garbage. Like you can come out of like pack one with like five playables. Um <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. I think it's... I mean, maybe you can if you're in the wrong colors, I guess. But I guess I'm, I've just taken on this predilection to drafting blue cards, and the blue cards in the set are insane. So yeah, actually, the blue cards maybe, are... Maybe, really that's, yeah. maybe that's what it is. But. That's, that's fair. It does make me curious, though, um, because I, I'm, not, I'm never one to complain about limited formats, but seeing these re- recent Facebook posts uh, from certain pros is interesting to me, because... Like, Cedric says this is, like, recently posted, this is one of the worst limited formats he's ever played. Or Paul Rietzel even said yeah. he played 10, 10 sealed, and he's yet, like, one of the best players today, and he's yet to go 3-1 in 10 sealed events online. So, you know, maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Maybe it, it says it's very bomb-heavy. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I haven't felt that way, that I couldn't win a match, no. uh, that I was, like, being avalanched by bombs. So. I don't know. I mean, you look at you look at cards like Torrent Elemental and Stilumgar, you know, and and like Ugh. these cards are so backbreaking in constructed, let alone limited. Like it's yeah. just, oh god. Like when you talk about the def like the definition of unbeatable bomb, like that's pretty much it. You know? And and there's that the the white uncommon uh the the at was it like the Abzan Battlemaster or something like that like, uh yeah I know which one you're talking about the absolutely ridiculous uh better than most mythics yeah and it's just uh, like it's you just kind of shake guy. your head and go yeah how do you how do you beat that how do you just ever beat the that? elite scale guard the elite that's scale guard that's the guy yeah so I yeah. I don't know man like I've had a lot of fun I've had. I've had more fun drafting this format than I have probably many others in a long time, uh, which is something for me. And I don't know whether that's just sort of like my progression as a magic player or whether that's like actually just like indicative of the format. And I don't know what the actual answer to that is, but it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and the games are fine. There's, there's a lot of action back and forth. And I do feel that this format's a lot slower than KTK was. Yes. So that that I like actually because I kind of tend to prefer uh, limited formats to go a little bit longer. Like I, I don't mind dying on turn four and constructed, but if it happens to be in limited, I get a little salty. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> my, my my black white warriors deck is completely gone. The Jeskai lists just seem like they're slower. Like they're just there isn't enough aggressive cards in in fate reform for it. There's better mid-range aggressive cards, like there's cards higher on the scale, like Ankle Cutter is ridiculous. But he's not, you know, he's not quick. So while we were 
babbling and stuff like that, I, I think someone you snuck into the room. That's Jay. Jay says something. Hello. 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 How's your family day? Oh my god, it was fucking garbage. I spent it actually doing family day stuff. What? Yeah. Just the worst. Yeah, the fucking <laughs> actual worst. Dude, like 30 of us, like a herd of my family, just wandered around fucking Calgary because there's free shit to do on family day. Is there? Yeah, to like encourage families to go out and do that shit. Ugh. Yeah, it was fucking garbage. Oh, we spent like an hour trying to figure out what we were going to do. And oh my goodness, like, just the worst. Fuck, and then we like walked around downtown and then fucking, <laughs> oh, we went to the museum, but we had a time limit on how long we could stay there and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> how was your family? Um, I, I bought something for my cards. I didn't buy any cards, but I bought something for my cards. Mm-hmm. I went antiquing with my wife. Ooh. Yeah, so actually, let's find this thing, because I know that there's a picture of it, and I'll show you guys what I bought. Totes maggots. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Is it? Yeah. It was also infinite dollars. But I think it's going to be pretty badass. Chests of drawers. Okay. It, it's got a whole bunch of them, but like it's the Ooh, a pine card filing cabinet. Yeah, I bought that. Jesus Holy shit! Christ. That is ridiculous. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like something I've seen other people have. That are like that looks specifically for st- storing cards. That I'm jealous. Yeah, it's, it's got for like a library. It fits a perfect <laughs> fit magic card. Perfect. Wow. Yeah, it fits perfect fit, perfect. Like I brought some per- perfect fits and I put them in. There's like three drawers because they're all like handcrafted. Three drawers that it doesn't fit in. Yes, wow, this man, is the show. Nice. Well, yeah. you're moving on up in the world. That was that was my new house present. But yeah, I've just been packing like a fiend, and that's pretty much all we've been doing aside from our little trip and peeking because I've been hunting for this thing for about a year and a half now. So yeah, really. Yes. They're hard to find. Are they? Yes. Sure. Well, I had no idea. That's pretty sweet, dude. Yeah. Oh, my. Um, So, yeah, that was my family day. We shipped my daughter off and packed. (laughs) Because you moved soon, right? Thursday. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, to get you up to speed, KYT won a PTQ. And Scotty did a thing, but we didn't really talk about Scotty's thing, so. So, uh, so Scotty spent 25 hours uh, streaming Magic Online. Yes. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting experience. When did it your punt was, count end? I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think it was 18. Yeah, which is low because this motherfucker punted a bunch of times and didn't take it up. Exactly. What the fuck are you talking about? That infect matchup, you 100% should have cast Guys of St. Craft there. That game won. Okay. So we'll say it. So, <laughs> so, if, so, you know, Jackie was giving, giving shit on a couple, couple things too. So I'll, I will concede to 20 pumps. 
Okay. Because that so one there. Still, sure. That's still under one per hour, which was sort of my target. And, uh, and like. Oh my god. Like 15 four... seconds into the Momir game, he made three mistakes. <laughs> okay. In Momir. Now, to be fair, though, to be fair, I had never played Momir before. So, like, the first game is basically a free. So we, so we played some games of Momir later, um, like way later in the evening, and uh, they were okay. We actually won. Uh, uh, we actually lost on time. We, it was even, and then we lost on our clock. But uh, really, wow! Actually, just basically, just started jamming eight. Yeah, what's really sweet about Momir at eight is that you get to for the forces, like the forces start coming out at eight. What are the like forces? Mag- like, like magnetic force. And celestial force and tidal force, like all yeah. of the commander, so oh, commander twenty, the commander twenty fourteen and and twenty fifteen pro, or twenty fifteen. Yeah, I was gonna say products. I don't know what those are. Yeah, so like they're eight drops and they're seven sevens, and each one there's one of each color, and basically they say at the beginning of each upkeep do something. Mm-hmm. So the red one is like at the beginning of each upkeep lightning bolt, okay. and the the white one is at the beginning of each upkeep like like gain three life. Mm-hmm. Uh, blue one is twiddle. The green one is Verdant Force, which you know, right? So that's the one that like makes a sapling every every upkeep. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you've got the black one is uh, the new one that came out. I can't remember the name of it, but basically it allows you to like tutor a card, or, like Vampiric Tutor or something every turn. Like, it's oh, fun. okay, like tutor for a card and pay two life or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, so anyway, so <laughs> our opponent jams like. So the the only the only problem is the other eight is uh is Akron Legionnaires. I don't know if that's Yeah, so Akron Legionnaires is from Legends, and it's an 8-4 creature that says the only creatures that you that may attack, uh, you may only attack with creatures that are artifact creatures or named Akron Legionnaires. What the fuck? So I have this like ridiculous big force, and it's you know I'm, I'm we've got this ridiculously complicated board state, and if I could just start turning my guy sideways, like I'm going to demolish him. Because I played the turn one guy, and I got an Avacyn's Pilgrim, and I was on the play, so I just like was like way ahead. And the first eight that I jam is Akron Legionnaire, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So Robert, fucking MTG Robert. So then I ended up like jamming a pot like eight eight after eight after eight after eight after eight, and uh, I finally got an Ashen Rider to oh to like exile my own Akron Legionnaire, so I can just alpha him with all of my guys. But it was just like, yeah. So, so Momir is hilarious. It is, it is the, the pinnacle definition of Hearthstone uh, for magic. That's basically what it is. Hmm. So that's, that's interesting. But, um, but yeah, we played... God, I played so much magic. Uh, I played a Lorwyn Field event. There's a Lorwyn Phantom Field event on, on MTGO right now, which is sweet, because, like, uh, Lorwyn was one of the first formats that I really enjoyed drafting. I was actually disappointed that it wasn't draft, but um, like I remember fondly sort of like the, the red-green goblin decks that I was able to pull out with like, you know, three to five fodder launches in the deck, and they're just ridiculous. Fodder launch, if you guys don't know, if you didn't play around, that was a sorcery. It's a tribal goblin sorcery. So it was tutorable with cards that's like, with, with the Harbingers that allowed you to tutor for goblin cards. Um, but it also was like a four-mana sorcery that said sack a goblin when you cast it, and then Target creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn, and that creature's controller takes five damage. So it's like lava axe you and kill your guy 
uh, get ran. Like it was, it was just really, really rough. So, such fond memories of the format. Um, we ended up in a green white deck. We had uh, there's not the format's generally very slow. There's not a lot of ramp, and we ended up with two leaf builders plus uh, one copy of one copy of vigor, one copy of cloudgoat ranger, one copy of Floridite, uh one copy of the five seven vigilance trample like tree folk guy. And so, and we had a Ren's Run Vanquisher. If you guys remember the three three death touch for two fucking mana, like. Yeah, just 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 unbelievable. The deck was very very good. We had an oblivion ring for removal. We 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 had Brian Stout Arm as well. Like we we actually played Naya. Um, but yeah, it was just really crazy. And the Lorwyn decks were super sweet. And we ended up actually three owing that event, which was very exciting. So yeah, I got like a bunch of cube points that I can use later and a QP, which is great. So did you get enough many... keys to do anything? I don't know. I'm at eight. Does that mean anything? No. Eight's not a good one. Oh. oh, what's the number? Fifteen. Fifteen? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's probably not unreasonable for me to, to reach that figure at this point, I think. Just because, like, I got a lot of them yesterday. Or, like, this morning. So, um, I played, um, I played a metric Aston of Modern and a metric Aston of, uh, Standard. And so the Modern deck, obviously, we were playing two guys. I think I ended up Overall, like over the course of all of the games, uh, I was able to navigate about a 66 win percentage throughout the course of the stream. So, like overall, that's pretty good. That that I feel like that's generally indicative of sort of like my average performance as a magic player. Um, so I was happy with that, given the fact that I didn't sleep at all. <laughs> at all. What did you learn? Um, I learned actually a whole bunch of shit. Oh my god. Okay. So, so let's go. So I learned that Burn is the single most prevalent modern deck on MTGO. It always is, no matter and what the format. It's not particularly close. Uh, over fifty percent of the games that I played of modern were against Turn One Mountain Swift Spear or Turn One Goblin Guys and Turn Two Swift Spear. <laughs> like it is just, it is, just, it's unhealthy. It is just unhealthy. And I understand that modern is an, is an expensive format, and uh, and I should have considered that going into this stream because if I had just like packed three copies of Core Firewalker into my sideboard, like we had for three bannings, um, there's a ninety percent chance that I just won every single modern daily, like everyone. Okay. So I don't know. It was weird. Like we three won a couple, we two two'd a few, you know. So like it, overall. It was it was a good experience, and uh, what I I learned a lot about my play in general, um, but I'm going to summarize some of that uh, towards the end, I guess. Uh, the deck that I had the most fun with, and I had the most success with, like lower win events and like random shit like that, notwithstanding, was my standard deck, and I played a copy of the Green Red Devotion list that's been going around. Okay, yeah, that deck looks like around a lot the, of fun. Around the Florida area. So I was watching coverage most of the day Saturday just to kind of get a feel for, for Standard. Uh, I was watching the SCG coverage as well as the, uh, the Grand Prix and that was happening sort of uh, overseas. And I was really, really taken because every, like, on, on the European Grand Prix, everybody was playing this like, mono green or mostly green, touching red like devotion deck. 
that was just jamming fucking like threat after threat after threat. And they're all playing like, multiple copies of Whisperwood Elemental. Now, I played a couple copies of Whisperwood Elemental in like my Four Color Soul list earlier, and I knew that the card was really good. Like, in any deck that's trying to produce a board state, like, that card is super good. But they're also playing the copies of Xenagos, and they're playing Shaman of the Great Hunt, and they're playing um, Genesis Hydra. So you kind of get into these scenarios where you have all of these huge fatty boom baddies on the table, and one or two copies of Whisperwood Elemental basically making you wrathproof. Yeah. Right? And so it, it's super, super exciting. And, and it just gives you a really good payoff for the mana. Um, and so I, I knew that the deck was popular in Florida. Okay? And what I had initially done was my initial scouting report, I sort of was looking at potentially just playing like Chromanticore full player, right? Chromantic player or whatever. Yeah. Where you try to build your own or whatnot on turn two or three. And uh, Frank Lepore has been saying he's been playing it to a really success, high success rate on MTGO. And so he got the list from John Cavellier. And so I hit up QB on Facebook. And I'm like, hey, so is this list of yours like actually the real deal or what's going on? You know? And and so he had said, well, it's fun and it's good, but I don't know. I wouldn't take it to a PTQ. Like, it's not what I'm taking to my PTQ this weekend, that sort of thing. And so I asked him, because, like, Mark Nestico had been writing some articles, writes articles on SCG, and he's from the Florida area, and he had indicated that that deck's really, really popular and picking up huge amounts of steam down there. And uh, the coverage on SCG kind of, you know, mimicked that, as well as the results that we were starting to see as people were, were coming up to these events. And so I asked him about the Green Red Devotion list. I'm like, so what do you think of the Green Red Devotion? And he's like, well, this is a list that I've been testing. It's really good. Uh, it's, it's really powerful. But, you know, I mean, like, it's still a devotion, right? So, you know, it's got, a, it's got some innate challenges where you're playing this deck with 12 fucking mana guys, <laughs> you know? And so if, you, if the deck has, has a way to mitigate that, then, um, then you're probably doing okay. But, anyway, so that all being said, uh, I, I looked at the list, it looked solid, and it was on a lot of coverage. Uh, it ended up actually winning the standard event. And so I took Kubi's list, which was a few cards different, and sideboard was a little bit different, and, and things that I liked about it. And he suggested, like, they're, they're playing copies, one to two copies of Arbor Colossus. And I think that that is, like, a really important card uh, for Devotion to have access to right now. Uh, just because, like, Stormbreath Dragons are running everywhere. Yeah. And... And Cover Colossus is a great foil to that. And you are already severely overtaxing red-white uh, removal requirements as soon as you can get out of the gates with your mana guys. So if you're starting to go like Lucranos, Whisperwood Elemental, um, you know, Big Genesis Hydra into Arbor Colossus, they are severely hard-pressed to beat you. Like, they're not beating you on the board. And you've got Arbor Colossus, so by the time that lands, it's probably beating the Storm Red Dragon. And you've got like insane quantities of mana and development and everything's going on. Whisperwood Elemental keeps shitting out guys, and it's just it's insane, right? So, and then you got Shaman as well. So, Shaman of the Great Hunt is this huge addition to this deck because, you know, with all the mana, mana that you're generating, not only through Nikos activations, but also through, you know, potentially like Chain Xanagoses. So, you can get in a scenario where you've got like four, five, six guys on the table, and you just start activating, you know, and they're all, you know, powerful or greater. You just start keep activating his ability. Shaman of the Great Hunt, for those of you that are playing along at home, is the mythic uh, from Fate Reforge, which is red and three 
for a four two with haste, and it has it turns all of your creatures into split. So when they deal damage to an opponent, they get a one on counter. But he's got this ferocious ability that says like you pay hybrid green blue, hybrid green blue in two, and you can um, you can draw cards equal to the number of creatures that you have with power, with uh, power four or greater. Yeah. Right? And and it's not tap, you just keep tapping the mana. So you get into these uh. scenarios where Right. So you get into these scenarios where you're like, draw six, draw six, draw six, you know, like play Xenagos plus Xenagos, you know, like play Xenagos, replace the old Xenagos, plus six, you know, plus him, draw six, draw six, draw six. Like it's just it, the turns are extremely explosive and it goes off very quickly. So um yeah, I had so much fun at the deck, and and I did really really well. And it was definitely I like I had, I had very easily a seventy, uh, a seventy to seventy five percent win rate with it online because there's a lot of a lot of uh, red white online, and blue black and Nyadex and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was a shit ton of fun. So uh, certainly a deck that I'll be looking at, um, I'll be looking at, at tuning up a little bit in standard for because it just seems like it's a it's a really good place in the metagame right now. Sweet. Yeah, but uh, I learned a lot of things about. So I, I, I had the privilege of having copious amounts of guests on the stream, and it was one of the things that that really made it a memorable experience for me is knowing that all of these people kind of like stepped up and wanted to be a part of this event. You know, uh, Jay came on. And, Jay came on, and, and we had some fun. Jay taught me how to play Momir, and you know, we played a, we played a few matches of, of some other shit, and, and it was it was awesome just to kind of like have him on and. And uh, we were just shooting the shit, and it was great. Um, we had, I had a few people from my, uh, from my Patreon board of directors, so I, they all got slots to come on as well. So that was sweet. Yeah, we I had saw T-Moles on there, and yeah, yeah. So Tommy was on there, Josh was on there, and Marcel came on as well. Oh, that was um, hot. yeah. So he came on twice actually. Uh, really, the genius was on, and. Uh, Heather came on for an hour, so that was cool. Kevin Metal came on for an hour, and Tyler the Fro and Jackie came over to my house, so like they were on site as well. And yeah, it was like it was it was just super great. And there was a whole bunch of people in the chat. We were watching uh, when Kevin was on. Kenji was actually in uh, finals of his of the Moto PTQ. Yeah, I saw a bit of that. So that we were we were sort of like in between rounds. So we put his stream on on my stream. We were like sitting there watching it and full on Mystery Science three Mystery Science Theater three thousand again. Right? Oh. So we're like commenting on the things that are going and, and it was really good. So uh so, so he jumped in just before that round started and he's like, Hey man, just so you know, like I'm gonna dump to you after this. So be ready for an explosion in numbers. Little did I realize until I signed on to watch the last game. Yeah, he, that like he was he had just shy of 4K people that were watching him. <laughs> so when he dumped me, it instantly spiked to, uh, like, I get the notification and it said he's hosting me for well over 2,200 viewers. And I was just like, well, welcome to the show, kids. <laughs> and, uh, and I was actually able to hold, like, 700 through the bulk of the evening, which is, like, super, super awesome. And I got, you know, I, I, I gained uh, just over 6,000, or just over 600 follows. For the channel, which is really important, so that was really exciting, yeah. and and yeah, like we held we held numbers real tight, and then all the way down the down to the end, like we had, um, we were playing late, and AJ was in the chat, 
So AJ Soccer, of course, so he chimed in, and, and I guess he jumped in. Jeez, it would have been around maybe just after 5? Yeah, 5.30 maybe. Anyway, so he jumped on at that point and then until the end, which was like super wild. And AJ, as we all know, is an extremely astute and capable magic player. And, you know, from his extremely popular series on SG with AJ TV, where he goes through and he actually like breaks down step by step what, what the plays should have been and what the plays made were and why the lines were and, and all of those, you know, severe analytics, he's extremely good at it. And having that benefit, like, on hand during the stream was super wild. Just super wild. And so I realized that I just, I'm playing too quickly, I think. I'm, I'm forgetting a lot of my, you know, fundamentals, especially with modern. You know, things like playing the wrong land or fetching the wrong land on the wrong turn at the wrong time will kill you three turns later. Yeah, that sounds fair. You know, and it's just, it's little things like that. Or it's things like, don't give your opponent a choice. Or like, don't give your opponent more information before you force them to make a choice. The one oh. thing that stood out to me in particular was, uh, we were playing it in a draft, and I was, I had, um, I'd only shown him two colors, I guess, or something, and I cast Rakshasa's Secret on him, so he had to discard two cards and I was going to mill two. Um, and like, I knew that was the play for this turn. And I went ahead and played my Saltai land, tapped, then secreted him. Just okay. Because like, just because my online mechanics are such that I don't want to forget the land drop. You know, so I want to like, if the last thing I'm going to do is secret, then I'm going to hit secret and I'm an F6. Yeah. Right? So that's just the way that, that like my modal mechanics are. Um, but that's actually, like, it, there's subtle things and there's small mechanics, like there's small points. But they all add up so large over the course of a game, right? And and any 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 time you can deny your opponent this information, that it's going to be a value. So it was just it's subtle things like that, and and like thinking through play lines and, and evaluating resources, and yeah, it was really really good for me. And and I really need to kind of like go back and analyze. I think those portions of the game because I think in you hear the stories about moto making players paper players lazy. Right? Yeah. And although they, you know, and I'm, and I'm noticing it, like if I, if I were to take a step back, I could tell you what the metagame looks like. I can tell you about what the good decks are. And I can tell you about, you know, who's in rock, paper, scissors and, you know, how matchups are supposed to go, you know, how they're supposed to go and, and the, the flow and the, and the feel and all that sort of stuff because I'm playing a lot more. But the way that I'm playing is suffering as a result. Of the, of the medium, I guess. Because you miss that human interaction. Whereas you get a lot of people that say, you know, I play magic or I play poker and I play the player, I don't play the card. And there's a big, big component to that, to, you know, higher level uh, paper magic. There's a huge piece of that. And I think, you know, whereas that used to be sort of like my actual fundamental mechanics were worse, that side of my game was always better. Right? Like, I would always fare better on paper than I did online because I would often try to get the reads on my opponent. And they would often be pretty good, right? But now, but, like, I, but I would still play badly. So my, my results wouldn't show, right? Yeah. So now that like, my play generally has tightened up, or you know, like my play level, I guess, has increased, but it's getting but the screws are loose, I don't know, something like that. So I, just, I need to tighten up, and I need to tighten up specifically on 
the subtle fundamentals, which I think will will aid a little bit more, you know, down the road. But we got to play against, like, we played against Ralph Levy in the Modern Daily, and that was demoralizing. And <laughs> we got to play, uh, we just got to play against so many awesome people. And it was, it was a really, really good time. So uh, the stream was a super amazing experience. I want to thank everybody that supported and, and helped out to make it what it was, because I'm going to Vegas. Woo! And it's all, and it's all thanks to all of you. So the one- That is awesome. Atlanta pipes up, and so am I. When did so, you hear goal? Like at noon? Um, it was. I don't. Th- it was afternoon, but it was. It was pretty early. Nice. So, it, so we brought out. Um, we brought out a stretch goal to Charlotte, and uh, and I'll just keep that running on my stream and see if I can hit that because that could be exciting too. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was great. It was just a wonderful experience. And I'm, I, it's not one I'm, I'm anxious to repeat. Uh, it really got hard around hour 20. No, eight, yeah, 18, 18 to 20. KYT called it last week. Or hours 18 <laughs> to 20 are tough. Um, and and it, got, it got rough. Uh, it got really, really rough, like in, specifically after the last one. But it was around sort of that threshold. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, thank God I had all the people there to support. Because, like, if you try to do that thing by yourself, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And I'm old. Like, let's not kid ourselves. I am not 20. And AJ was telling me about the Hearthstone kids. Like, there, there are Hearthstone streamers that do this for, like, 30, 36 hours. Right? Why aren't you and just a Hearthstone kid? Uh, <laughs> He's I'm old! Not, I'm not 20. I could have totally done that, dude. Oh my god. There 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 in my twenties, there were weeks where I would stay up three days in a row with no sleep. I mean <laughs> assisted. Right? I was assisted in those endeavors. But like <laughs> easily, no problem, sure, crash. It's a weekend vendor, no worries. Sleep on Monday, you know, <laughs> like yeah. But yeah, it's just like not not no. No, not happening. Not happening. So I finished the stream, and then I realized that I've got this pipe that busted. And I couldn't figure out why, you know, like, the carpet was a little bit moist. Midway through the day, I just figured Lily spilled something, a big deal. She'd been around for the stream. And I, I kind of, like, get up towards the morning, and the stream's almost done. And I'm like, why is the carpet even wetter? I don't understand. Like, it's getting really wet, like, soppy even. What the hell? Hey man, if I was under that presence that long, I'd probably get wet too. Well, I mean, right? And uh, I just, I didn't, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So it turns out Lily was like jumping on a chair, and and there's this this drainage pipe that goes from you know down the wall and to the floor from the kitchen sink and the dishwasher, you know, down to the drainage floor. And so I guess, like, she was jumping on the chair, and the chair was close enough or whatever, and she was, like, running into it, and it sheared the pipe, the plastic oh, the pipe, right at the bottom. So, like, you've got the pipe that comes up from the floor, and then you've got, like, the big hub that sits on top of it, you know, with the big screw-in caps that have the, the round screw-in caps with, like, the square knobs on it, right? Anyway, so, so it's got one of those, and, and it's sheared off basically right to there. So... All of the water from my kitchen sink and my dishwasher ran into my bath, ran into my basement. So 
Jackie and I, after running the stream, had to then empty all of the furniture out of that room. And then I had to roll up all of the carpet, which I got about halfway through rolling it up in the room and I realized it couldn't move it any farther because it was like, it weighed 400 pounds with all of the water that was in it. There was pools of water on my basement floor underneath all of that stuff. It was just, oh God, it was such a disaster. Such a disaster. I mean, poor Atlanta is still down there right now, like using a, uh, like a, a, a wet back and trying to pull all the stuff out of the carpet. Like, it's just hey. crazy stuff. Crazy. Now, we got the pipe fixed. So that's cool. But, like, oh, man. We're in for a rough week. That was my weekend. That was how I felt that, that family day. I had about 150 minutes of sleep in two days. <laughs> I feel awesome. <laughs> you know, you kind of sound a little, little, you sound a little crazy right now. I'm going to sound terrible. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah hey, <laughs> talk for 24 hours straight. Talk for 24 hours straight without sleep and tell me how good your voice is going to sound, okay? I'm not saying anything. So, yeah, it was a, uh, it was, it was, it was really, it was really fun. It was, it was really fun. It's not. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I went through the experience. I'm really glad that we hit our goals, but I'm glad I did it. Uh, I'm glad I went for 25 hours. Somebody tweeted, at Paul, Paul Chion went for his 24-hour stream right afterwards, so he's doing it right now, actually. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> he put a tweet and he's like. Uh, at six hours, I'm already so tired. Like, oh, this is going to be such a long night. Now, what people don't realize is that Paul was in my chat until one o'clock his time in the morning. <laughs> like, and chatting with KYT and me and everything else. You know, three o'clock my time, one o'clock his time, or something like that. And <laughs> just like, Paul, go to bed. Paul, go to bed. But somebody somebody tweets at him and is like, "Paul, man, only twenty four hours? Come on, man up!" <laughs> CC at Mr. Scotty Mac hashtag Mr. Twenty Five. <laughs> like, that's why I did a twenty five hour stream right there. That tweet right there. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sweet. But it was, it was just it was amazing. And and so uh, SG Doc as well was is a, is a prominent streamer. He. Uh, he streams on uh, every day of the week except for like Friday, Saturday. And he does primarily limited, constructed on Tuesdays, that sort of thing. He's like a late night guy, like 11, 30, 12 o'clock Eastern start type of guy. And he's got a great show. So he came on and he was with us and he, he did uh, he did some limited with us. He did our first draft. Uh, and he was a good sport. And so he was hosting me throughout the course of the night. And uh, Kenji Stream was hosting me all throughout the night. And yeah, it, was just, it was just awesome. It was just so awesome. So thank you once again. I can't say thank you enough to everybody that was a part of this event because it's something that I will certainly remember forever. It was amazing. Just wild. But I played a lot of magic. That's a good thing. Wispwood Elemental, really good card. Shaman of the Great Hunt is also a really, really good card. Good in all formats. <laughs> good in all formats. So. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a really, really, um, it was a really fun deck to play. I actually think that if there's any way she perform. I don't know. I have to figure out what I'm going to play and what I'm going to build and what I'm going to stream with. But it's definitely an archetype I'll be I'll be keeping keeping my eye on for the next little bit. So I think it needs one copy of Nylea in the main deck, just so that it's one of those cards that you can like Genesis Hydra into. But uh, we'll see.
Jay, did you play any Magic this week? Uh, I cubed. And then I played a little bit of Magic, I guess, with you. Yep. I thought I'd be playing more, but you were, like, quick to dismiss me, so. Oh, I bounced. Oh. I had all sorts wow. of available for you in the midday, and you were just like, nope, too late. Can't do it. I'm like... Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, you can come hang out with me at 6 p.m. Yeah, that's too late. And then you said, you can hang out with me from 8 to 10, and then I promptly hung out with you from 8 to 8.45. So, that's fine. I just got bumped for, like, some nobody. It's all good. Uh, how was your drunk night the night before? Tell us about that. I was what? How was your drinking night the night before? You sent me a message, and you're like, dude, I'm so drunk right now. Oh, my God. Oh, Please Valentine's remind me Day. in the morning. Yeah, Valentine's Day was fine. We, like, went to the keg, which is, like, so terrible compared to regular just cooking steaks anywhere else. Um, and then they had Erdinger Dunkel, which is fucking sweet. It's, like, my favorite Scotty beer. And, yeah. But it wasn't like we didn't get crazy or nothing. It wasn't insane in the membrane. No? No. It was just three beers. Medium sane? Yeah. Medium and sane. Insane in the... Medium. Medium. Uh, yeah. And then... Uh, did I play FNM? Nope. Because Friday was some... Oh, Friday I went to a murder mystery. Pretty sweet. Uh, we've never done. I've never done one of those before. It was actually fucking super cool. Um, I imagine it's probably better than like a murder suicide, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, like it was like a murder, like mystery birthday party thing, and it was like from 1993, so it was pretty sweet. Uh, but it was like there was some stuff to be desired for sure. Um. But yeah, but we had like fun, and then uh, I played cube twice because I went and cubed after that, and then I cubed Sunday before D and D because I'm back playing that, which is sweet. Um, but yeah, I didn't. Other than that, I didn't get a chance to play any other real magic. I want to try this uh, PPQ deck that KYT played for F and M. Cool, but I haven't seen a list yet. So oh. You I'm know, saying get rid of things that like, get mana for yeah, cards that I asked him like ten times for a list. He didn't give me one. Oh, it's one of those. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, there was a, an Abzan <laughs> list that I saw that had like only it plays like bad planeswalkers and then like rhinos and Karyatid and then just like removal, I guess. So, I don't know. It didn't seem that great. That's funny. I thought you were going to describe my very deck list, but no. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to share it with me. I don't want to share it with you. Oh! <laughs> the call hits are real. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really know what I want to play for FNM. I don't know. There's like a bunch of different decks. None of them seem as fun as just Abzan used to be. I'm kind of disappointed by that. So... Uh, hopefully I can play something soon. I don't know, but no, I haven't played any Magic. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ship you my list. Oh shit! Now that I made you feel bad, great. Some yeah, that's secondary... what it is. It is it is the feel bad ship. Yeah, some secondary J Bush action. 
Hey, Jay, why don't you come on our stream for like five minutes while we wait for the real talent? And then, hey, we'll never share anything with you ever because you're just the talent. Like, you're just funny. You're not, you're not worth anything to us. Yeah. Okay. It would be also super awesome if you could show up to the podcast on time every now and then. That'd be oh, really yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Jay's the one who's late. Yeah. The one time that, that we fucking start on time in five years. I'm okay, the that's, one that's absolute horseshit because we've started on time for the last like five weeks. Nope. So that's, like, that's get off. Get off. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm I'm just gonna get out. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. To right. I can't. I can't handle this stuff. I'm just gonna... <laughs> no, seriously. I'm just. I'm like super ultra stacked, guys, and I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bail. It's like <clears throat> it's way past my bedtime, and I don't know if I can talk anymore anyway. So thanks for joining us for about forty-five minutes. I appreciate it. Actually, it was an hour and a half, but we'll uh, I understand talent. that for you, it was only 45 minutes. We'll have the talent show up. And then... Well, you know... We'll call just, it I, I, beer. Maybe we'll call that guy. I just, I just figured that I would, you know, like, give you the full stage and not, like, take any of it, you know? Yeah. No. I, would, I wouldn't want that. I know. I just, I, I just, I want to give to you. I just, I want to give to you. That's all. All right. All right, guys. Have a great night. Enjoy the show. It's always fight. We'll see everybody next week, and uh, I'll see you guys soon. Peace. All right. Stop. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Well, I don't think we have a show anymore. I think we should just call it. <laughs> I mean, what do we have to talk about? I don't know. Like, okay, so. Uh. There's Angels coming out, but that's, like, for a new show, and we're not one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that uh, KYT winning a PTQ took 10 minutes to talk about. No, it was oh. actually pretty long. Yeah, we, we talked a lot. Well, I got here at 8.17. So I guess, yeah, okay, that's, I guess, about 45 minutes. Yeah, we talked a lot about it. It's because he's good at magic. How was that, by the way? It was sweet. Yeah, well, yeah, it was very sweet. I just, uh, I just really wanted to win really badly, and uh, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, obviously, a uh, combination of good luck and high motivation, and you know, was my drive was there, and I got there. So it was pretty surreal. Like I was telling them, like when I won, it wasn't like it wasn't like a. Um, holy shit moment it was like uh, i was just in shock that yeah. i was able to do it again and so fast so soon basically right after i got like i right after my first pro tour the week right after yeah, i come crazy. in and like win one and it's uh it's pretty crazy we're all proud of you thank you thank you say thank you again thank you thank you you're welcome So what else is going on? Like, what else is exciting? What's going on in the Manitou Pride world? Nothing. Like, where's the State of the Union address? We haven't had one of those in a while. Have I ever done one? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. It's good. It's going good, huh? It's good. Yeah, it's good. Do we have any of those Manitou Pride hoodies left? Uh, I think so. Can we just order those through face-to-face or what? 
Yeah. Um, you heard it here first, guys. On the show, I even have to pay for my own merch. That's not a dig at KYT, I'm just saying. Just so everyone knows, to keep asking for merch, it's difficult. <laughs> I, think the, I think the show's done. <laughs> oh. They're not going to hear this. Oh, okay. Uh, the show's real. It's good. It's happening. 